Love it when the Democrat gets slapped around by reality. It just uh, makes my day. Make my day. GS Plumbing Talk Line is 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. I'm streaming live on the WORD Facebook page, if that's your cup of tea. And the podcast is available on the free Odyssey app. Don't cost nothing. Eric Adams. He has stepped up. He's taking a leading role among Democrats in conceding the damage done by the Biden administration's policy of allowing millions of illegal border crossers to remain in the United States. And see, here's the thing. A city, a city government, which, you know, when, when they're getting out there and actually trying to budget money and everything, it's a very fragile thing. Once you've got it set and you've got things appropriated, this is going here, this is going here. If something comes in from the outside that you don't plan for, it'll take you down. It can take you down. And it'll take you down worse. I mean, this is worse than having a hurricane or a mudslide or a tornado or a blizzard because those are all things that come and go and you pick up and you know that you've got insurance for things like that you've got uh, contingencies for stuff like that these are actually things that are factored in when you're setting up these budgets and these appropriations what's happening now is not set up he said month after month i stood up this is going to come to a neighborhood near you and he said well we're here we're not getting no support on this national crisis and let me tell you something new yorkers Never in my life have I had a problem that I did not see an ending to, and I don't see an ending to this. This issue will destroy New York City. We're talking about 110,000 migrants here. And uh, the problem is how fast they've come. He said, I said it last year when we had 15,000, and I'm telling you now, with 110,000, the city we knew we're about to lose. He's talking about money because there's not enough, you know, there's only so much of other people's money to go around. And it's remarkable to see a prominent Democrat get, you know, get that men in skin bracer slap in the face and say something like that. When especially when this is a problem that was created by a sitting Democratic president. But while he's having that honest moment, there's one thing that escapes him that he can't admit what is causing the crisis that he says threatens to destroy his city. Because, see, he blames, he says, it started with a madman down in Texas deciding he wanted to bust people up to New York City. And he's referring to Governor Greg Abbott. And he began to bust groups of willing migrants to New York. But Abbott announced that Texas has sent 13,300 migrants to New York since August 2022. New York says it has received more than 110,000 migrants. Now, if they received 110,000 and only 13,000 came from Texas, where did the other 97,000 or so illegal aliens come from? If Mary Adams knew, he would better understand the source of New York's problem. So enter Jessica Vaughn. She's the director of policy studies for the Center for Immigration Studies, a group that favors more restrictions on immigration. She said it's ridiculous for him to blame Abbott for this problem with only 13,000 came on buses organized by Texas. Besides, many of them were probably looking to get to New York anyway. Texas is mainly facilitating what the migrants want to do already. But how did 97,000 of them get to New York? Well, 
Once again, let's look at the Biden administration. You see, they don't bus them. They put them on a plane. They arrange flights of illegal border crossers to the New York area. So it's not the madman in Texas. It's the demented man in D.C. Beyond that, Vaughn notes that summer taking buses organized by non-governmental organization contractors in Texas and other border states who are being paid by the federal government with taxpayer money. Some, including gotaways who evaded the Border Patrol, are traditionally coming in on their own or assisted by smugglers. Some are coming from the northern border, also experiencing record illegal entries. And here's the thing. And they can all thank CNN. You see, New York got out there and said, we are a sanctuary city. Ta-da! Let me bathe in the virtue. And the illegal aliens know the city will feed them and give them a place to stay and deliver other social services and educate their children and give them a municipal ID and a driver's license. And even if they get in trouble with the law, they're not going to be turned over to immigration authorities. Now, Mayor Adams speaks as if he is helpless to deal with the sheer volume of illegal immigrants. And let's not call them migrants. Uh, my my mother's family were migrants. Yeah, they came they came across on a boat and they got in front of the government and said, We want to live here from now on. That's a migrant. A migrant doesn't cross a river with the help of somebody they call the coyotes with a bunch of uh, rifle barrels at their back climbing over a wall. That's not a migrant. If they want that, they can come through any of the legal, you know, legal entryways. They can try. That's a way to do it. Here's the other thing about Mayor Adams. So this is happening right now. You know, he could act. They, they've got these things. These are great. These are a, a new invention. They've got these things called a phone. And he could pick up one of these phone things and call the governor's mansion and speak to Govern, Governor Abbott and try to work with him on this. Try to coordinate this so he knows what's coming. So he knows what's happening. So why would he not try to work with Governor Abbott instead of calling him a man-man? Why doesn't he call Biden and say, stop putting these people here first class in my, in my city? Close down the border. Why couldn't he refuse to allow the migrants to be bussed in and sheltered in appropriate places like hotels without the coordination of New York officials? And putting these illegal aliens in hotels is a violation of zoning laws, which is how 30 New York counties obtained restraining orders against immigrant placements in their jurisdiction, illegal immigrant placements. He could warn potential employers that hiring these illegal workers will not be tolerated. He could try to work with ICE to identify and remove the criminals among the new arrivals. There's a lot he could do. He is the mayor. He's not a doormat after all. But he would have to admit the source of the problem, and it's not Greg Abbott. When you get out there and say, we are a sanctuary city, and then you've got a president who says, we are a sanctuary nation, and then they come across, well, yeah, sure, some of them are going to go to the airport, and they're going to be like, where would you like to go, illegal person? We're just going to call you Terry. Where do you want to go, Terry? New York City. All right, here's your ticket. Get on there. Here's $2,100. Here's, here's an ID card with your picture on it, calling you Terry. Getting out there and railing against a madman in Texas is not going to solve a problem that started in the White House. 
it's not. So this is, you know, this is where you get out there. <laughs> I I mean, what, you know, this happened in California too. California's out there. We're a sanctuary state. We'll take everybody. Everybody, everybody, we have, we take citizens of the world. Well, they're overflowing with citizens of the world right now. So is New York. But it doesn't take a lot of people. It doesn't take a gigantic influx. How many, how many times have we had a, like a hurricane down on the coast? And a lot of people from the coast evacuate the coast and come up here and there's not a motel room to be found. And that's a temporary setback. That's a temporary issue. Because eventually they're going to check out and go back home. If there's a home to go to. We see that happen on a regular basis. What is it like if we had all of them come here and they never left? So text, hey, uh, uh, a texter says, I call to promote your talk show. No one ever answers down there. What are you calling? Please, sir, if you please, sir or ma'am, whichever it is. I don't know what you're calling. But yeah, this is this is something that they have uh, they brought this upon themselves, and they are, uh, hey, be careful what you wish for, because when you get it, it's going to be expensive. Coming up next, yeah, we're going to have Dewey Lemons on because he had something he had to do yesterday, so we're going to do it today. Dewey's Pawn Shop, two A Tuesday, Weapons Wednesday. Here we go. This is News Talk ninety eight nine W O R D. Well, not exactly Tuesday. We're going to call it Weaponized Wednesday for the sake of uh, sake of argument. Joining me now from Dewey's Pawn Shop is Dewey Lemons. Good uh, good morning, sir. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good. I, I, I'm hoping that everything is busy there. Is everything busy there? Yes, yes. We're busy, busy this morning. I'm <laughs> sorry. I got got tied up, and we've been we're kind of rocking and rolling today. Yeah, well, you know that's that's the whole purpose of this exercise, though, isn't that's it? That's exactly right. So we, need we were to business. We need to business. So we were talking about right. twenty-eight gauge shotguns the other day because uh, it's hunting season, it's dove season, and everything else. I am not really that read in on a twenty-eight gauge. Why a twenty-eight gauge? Because it doesn't kick as much as a twenty or a twelve gauge. Okay. Um, they did a lot of research and a lot of study and several years ago and found out that a 28 gauge hits as hard or harder at about 30 yards than a 20 gauge does with a with certain loads and so it just gained popularity and it's coming back pretty good and they actually had three inch um shells now for 28 gauge so you can shoot a three inch magnum in a 28 gauge shotgun and you you hammering them pretty good yeah and that doesn't blow a dove apart no, no, it doesn't blow them apart. Nope, nope. But it does and, knock and it, them doesn't out of it doesn't wear your shoulder. At your shoulder's not black and blue the next day either. So. That's always lovely, isn't it? When the mm -hmm. shoulder's not black and blue. That's right. Um, now, when you go dove hunting, what do you take? I take whatever the newest thing that I've seen that I had never <laughs> fired. You know, I'll take something I had never shot before. I love to try something different and shoot something different. So amongst, uh, so uh, now, and this is the thing, uh, 
Okay, I'm being asked on the text line, what kind of youth shotguns do you have and suggest? Um, Frenchie makes real good youth shotguns. Remington makes a great 870 youth gun. Um, Mossberg, I, I think we sold a Mossberg youth gun yesterday. There's a, there's a lot of variations. Um, it just depends on how experienced your youth, your you know, your your child is, or you know, it's, I, I got a lot of adults that like youth guns because they're small and they like little compact guns. Right. Um, there's a big wide variation of those things. So for a youth gun, what size child would be able to handle a youth gun? What age group are we looking at? 10, 12, Well, 15? it depends on their growth. We, I, I sold a guy a gun here the other day, a full-size gun, and his kid's 11 years old. Yeah. And he said, no, no, he, he can shoot my full-size gun. Um, and then, you know, I sold a youth. The, the guy who bought the youth model yesterday, I think he said his boy was six years old. Six years old. So it you know it just uh, depends on how mature and you know kids you know some kids grow like crazy early and then they slow down and then some some grow like crazy when they get older you know so it's yeah. it's hard hard to fit them but you know you you got to try them because that's the best thing in the world you know if you if you got a kid out there shooting and that means they're not doing stuff they're not supposed to be you know right it's it's, a, it's an activity that's outside it's it's off the phone much, it's not on the TV. Much better activity. They learn the responsibility. They learn to be responsible themselves. You know, taking care of a firearm. You know, it, they learn. You know, children learn so much if they if you take them out and teach them how to shoot and learn how to do everything proper. It's great. On the text line, uh, somebody says, "My wife is five foot and she uses a twenty gauge." Is that does a twenty gauge jump pretty good if you don't know what you're doing with it? No, no, 20 gauges are not that bad. It just depends yeah. on how light the gun is. Yeah, 20 gauge is still the most popular bird gun out there. I only have any experience with 12. I'm, I'm not a big uh, – shotguns are not my forte. Although yeah. I still want to try – and somebody's going to be texting or calling my father or something saying, just buy it. I, I still want to try a, a coach gun. I do want to try a coach gun because I just kind of – I don't know. I don't know what about it is. Uh, like the it, coach guns are fun to shoot, and they're really fun to play with. And, you know, you can – you can take those things and go shoot like at the sporting clay's place where they shoot the sporting clay. It rolls across the ground. Yeah. Shoot them with those little coach guns. You know, that's like shooting rabbits or something. That's fun. Or you can use them to quail hunt with, you know, but that that pattern's not a really great pattern to reach out there with for those coach guns. You know, it's a, gotcha. it's a, it's a close-range spray gun. Right. Uh, so we, got, we got them both in stock. We got lots of short barrels and long barrels in stock still. The, our shotgun inventory is still booming right now. Right. Do you have any youth guns in stock today? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've still got some Remingtons out there. I know I have some of them. I think I still got a really one of the real nice camoed Frenchies out there and a youth model. Um, so, yeah. The question is not do you have them. <laughs> it's do you have the one they want but anyway yeah um so i'm being asked something about this i don't know where you want to come down on this is the sig p320 dangerous or is that a bunch of nonsense oh i am not educated enough to give an answer on that i don't know if you're going to um, buy a sig p320 get one with a straight trigger if it doesn't have if it has a curved trigger stay away from it okay the straight triggered guns seem to have less problems and this is this is just something that Sig told me when I had a problem with a curved trigger FCU. It, it, the the P three twenty is a very well thought out gun, but the weak point of it is the FCU. 
They want to know how much is how much what, what's the price range on the coach guns? Price range on coach guns are anywhere from three fifty on up to thirteen fourteen hundred bucks. Yeah, and the three fifty ones. What is that? The Stogers? No, the three fifty ones is going to be some of the older Rossies and stuff like that. But I mean, Rossi's not a not Rossi's not a bad name brand nowadays. I no, mean, they, they're they not bad. Very... They were they were they were the first ones to do those coach guns back in the seventies. Right. They imported those things in a country that had the hammers on them. They were really cool looking guns, and um, we 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 still get some of those in. They're not in the best of condition because people have been using them. But I did buy one the other day, still in the box. I mean, it was un- very unusual to see one of those in the original box. It's mint condition. So I got two questions real quick. I have a rifle and a couple of old shotguns that need some work because they haven't been fired in many years, and I inherited that. Where should I take them? Bring can them you... by. We got two good gunsmiths. They can check them out and look at them. Take them to Dewey's. They want to know the price range. Somebody else wants to know the price range on the youth guns. Youth guns are going to be man. They 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 range anywhere from three hundred dollars on up. Yeah, with with a firearm. Uh, what you're paying for is certain percentages of more refinement on them, and the more expensive they get, the less of the percentage range you're actually improving. So, I mean, uh, some of your, you know, pretty basic guns nowadays are actually pretty decent weapons to have, aren't they? Yep, that's true. And I mean, but you got to be understand there's there's more variations in different kinds of guns than there are cars. You know, <laughs> think how many different kinds. You know, I want to I want to I want a four door car. You know, there's all kinds of. But there's more variation in firearms than there are even cars out there. You know, they, they say that there's more AR-15s in civilian hands than there are Ford F-150s. Yep, that, that's probably the fact. That's yeah. probably the fact. I tell you right now, we got more of them at Dewey's Pawn Shop than we've ever had before. There's a whole bunch of them here. Now, one thing that I, I see that, that, that happens a lot, and I'm about to do it myself, but I actually have the machine to do it here. For people that get a gun, like if they want their want a set of sights put on, can you can you guys do that kind of thing for them? I'm sorry, say it again. I didn't hear you. Put putting sights on a handgun. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. We put different we put different kinds of sights on for people all the time. Yeah. So, so if you have for that gentleman that has these guns, I mean, the thing about taking them to Dewey, you have seen a lot of more vintage guns come through. So it's a lot easier for you than say some guy down the street that specializes in black rifles to look at some old bolt action gun or old lever action gun and make a, make a analysis of how good good shape it's in. That's true. Yep. That is correct. This is, um, this is our 40th. This is my 40th year doing this. So we're, we've seen a lot of guns, a lot of guns over the year. Yes. When Dewey's been doing this since he was a very young man. A very young man. That was that would mean you started this what when you were twenty what twenty two twenty three. I was twenty one. Twenty one. Twenty one or twenty two, right there. I did about. I think I had just turned old enough to get my firearms license. In fact, I think I opened up and I had to wait. I had to wait a few months before I could get my firearms license. Was that when you were at the old cash and carry area downtown? Yep, that was yep. when we were downtown Greenville on Old Buncombe Road. Yep, 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 yep. Ran into him there, been following him ever since. Of course, we did go to junior high school together. Thank you very much for taking the time to join me today, sir. Yes, sir, man. Come see us. We need all the help we can get. We got too many guns in stock. We need to move them out. Dewey's Pawn Shop and Gun Traders on Wade Hampton Boulevard. Go check them out. All right. We no longer have the luxury of being able to just kick it, kick the can down the road, literally. That's just a fact. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD.
All right. Thought I was going to the phones. Maybe if you call back. A few things we can no longer afford to do in the United States today because it has bitten us on the fourth point of contact. The GS Plumbing Talk Line is one 800 The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. Look who's in charge right now. Look who's in charge of the blue and even purple states. They've turned morality upside down. Black is white. Perversion is mainstream. Up is down. Lawlessness is encouraged. Straight out of Star Wars. It's a wretched hive of scum and villainy. And we have always, you know, I mean, even going back to Tea Party times, we farmed out the task of maintaining our liberty to politicians. And we've expected them to keep the faith all the way, all the time. And and here's here is a very sad reality. Most of them are a lot of them are compromised. They're bought off, blackmailed, or both. Are they all this way? No. There's some that are just you know, the force of their of their personality and everything. That's what makes them who they are. They're absolutely uh they get pretty much anywhere they want to go with what they do. So they just maintain it and nobody messes with them. But many have mastered the skill of saying what their constituents want to hear because they know that they can stab them in the back later. And how are you getting stabbed in the back? Well, we didn't elect them just to be there, right? We elected them to do something. And in the case of Republicans, this means simply beating the Democrats and defending the Constitution. But over and over again, they cave to the Democrats, leading many conservatives to ask, why is it when we control the White House and Congress, we don't make any progress while their agenda advances even when they're out of power? Which leads us to the Uniparty. The theory of the Uniparty, right? Well... <laughs> uh, some think that both parties are merely different sides of the same coin and that they serve the purpose of protecting and enriching the interest of D.C. while they ignore the rest of us. And we used to be blind to this and we used to trust them. You know, we, we would say, yeah, that's just... Washington, but then Donald Trump was elected president and that mask fell away. We watched the lies that they uh, paraded to us on a regular basis, like the Russian collusion and the Steele dossier. And we waited for the Republicans to stand out and get up, up against these outlandish claims and, and, and defend. But no, we just heard crickets from the leaders of both houses. Then we saw that despite Trump having Republican majorities in the House and the Senate, that his policies were either slow walked or blocked by his own party. And whatever shred, just speaking for me personally, whatever shred of credibility they may have had then, they lost. 
So let's go to the phones. Is that is this Robert again? Robert, is that you? Oh, different Robert. Is this a different Robert? Yes, sir. What can I do for you? Hey, this is Robert from Clinton. Hey, yes, sir. I uh, I uh, heard you talking today uh, earlier today about taking a weapon out of the house and not pointing it and everything like that. Yep. Uh, I tend to agree with you. Um, I try not to carry it out of the house. I try not to go into places that I might have to worry about going in, out of the house. Yeah. If I do, I have a micro, a very tiny micro compact that I hope I never, ever have to use. Um, Normal. But I, I still see these these um, outer waistband, you know, hol- holster packing pistol fellas and open carry and people. I just go like, man, that's just yeah. And and you know, listen, if you're right, but is it the right thing to do? And, well, it, it, uh, it's, I wanted it's, to do a follow up. It's not, it's not a question of it being the right thing to do. It's a question of, you know, when you show your weapon, right? Uh, the reason I don't open yeah. carry is because I don't want to have a retention holster on. If I'm open carrying, exactly. I don't, I can't, I can't be staring at my waist the whole time and make sure no hand comes and snatches a gun out of my waistband. That's the only reason I don't open carry. It, we should be very used to seeing it. And we are if you're wearing a badge, but uh, that is legal here, and I do see some people doing it. I don't do it myself. It's for I, the guys with a badge. I don't want them to know. And I, if I'm in a situation, I don't. I don't think that the, the mall shooter that, that that popped the guy from 45 yards or whatever, lucky 45 feet, whatever. That that's not going to be a situation. It is for your defense to stop an attack. Um, it is, and and it's not necessarily to kill anybody. It's just to stop the aggressor if your life is in danger. Because I don't, I I appreciate what you said. I don't want to have it on my conscience. Right. If I if I could knock them down another way, I would do it. But I'm 68, and I ain't what I used to be. Well, in regards, okay. Ask your question. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. All right, I'm sorry. I keep interrupting. But anyway, I mentioned something about the 28-gauge shotgun. Yeah. And I'm going like, wow. Um, that's one I haven't heard in a long time. But you know what? I just wish 410 shells were available. They are the hardest shell to get, and they're outrageously priced. And I want to know why, because that's a great youth uh, shell. And it's Where are you looking? You know, it's just darn helpful around the house. You yeah. know, I don't need to obliterate a rattlesnake. I just want to kill it. Well, where are you looking for the ammo? Just about everywhere. And, I, look- and yeah, they got it online, but like a box of 20, 25 bucks. And I'm talking about just standard bird shot. Yeah. Well, I have see, seen it a little bit cheaper, you well, know, but not much. So when uh, when we had our little ammo shortage that we just had, um, during the uh, when right. they were having trouble sourcing the materials, everybody switched over their uh, production to go after the main caliber, which were five, five, six, nine millimeter, and maybe something else. And that's what they were trying to produce because that's what most people use. Right. Now that that's loosening up and everything, there's the oddball rounds, which four ten is not an oddball round, but it's not nine millimeter or five, five, six. That's starting to come back into it. The prices will come down on it. So you know. Don't don't get too don't get too wound up. Listen, I'm running out of time, and I really appreciate your call. So thank you very much. When we get back, more on that apathy thing. 
This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. All right, Robert and his uh, open carry statements have, have uh, they have uh, sort of uh, stimulated the text line. I got I got to answer this stuff. The new uh, the GS Plumbing Talk Line is one eight hundred nine zero five zero nine eight nine. Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is seven one three zero seven. The reason that there is an open carry provision in the South Carolina Concealed Carry Permit Law, which is it's silly to have to have, in my opinion, it's silly to have to have a concealed carry permit to be able to open carry. But I, I understand the reason a lot they're out there going, well, we vetted him, so it's okay if he does. We vetted him. Um, the reason for the open carry thing is this. Prior to having this, if I went into my local Tom McCann shoe stores, Placey, and I decided that that size 11 up there was exactly what I wanted, and I reached up there and my cover shirt revealed my gun by South Carolina law this was called a presentation now if that happened they could call law on me they could take me out and I would probably and when I say take me out they would come and escort me out of the building and they would probably take my concealed carry permit from me it was sort of an insane little provision in that and this is why everybody works so hard at staying concealed. So now, if your gun does flash and you have that permit, you're not on the hook for anything. As far as open carry is concerned, I know some people out west that only open carry. I know a guy named Dean Weingarten who was a leading proponent in Arizona for open carry, and he carries a gun open everywhere he goes. Sometimes he carries two, because in Arizona, for some reason, he likes to walk around with an AR-15 slung as well. Uh... That's not something I would do because AR-15s are heavy. And, you know, when I'm up there and I'm like, I'm here to buy my sparkly water, I don't know if I need an AR-15 to do it. But he does it primarily to make a statement, right? Now, open carry is as much of a First Amendment statement as you can find. So those that want to do it, that's fine. But understand this. If I was going to carry a, if I was going to open carry a weapon, this means I'm going and getting a Safari Land holster, which looks like I'm taking a big oversized rugby ball and strapping it on my waist. When one of, when one of these handguns is in a Safari Land retention holster, if you run out of ammo, you can beat them to death with a holster pistol combo. It's just that big. And it certainly is not something, you know, got to sit down in the car to drive it you got to you got to sit down to have dinner whatever it is so this is a big thing and you would do that because you do not want your gun to be snatched out of your holster police officers get shot with their own gun all the time and they have retention holsters which mean and a retention holster means there's two or three things you got to do to get it out of the gun out of the holster to where it's now clear and able to, to be used as a, as a gun Prior to that, it's just a gun in a holster. And with the trigger guard covered up, nothing can be done to it. So if I carry, like, even if I'm carrying outside the waistband, I'm probably going to conceal it because I want it to be open. Because I want to be fast on my draw. I want to be quick. I want to be John Wick. And you can't do that nearly as fast with a retention holster. I see a lot of guys that train on that do that all the time. On a text line, I'm willing to wear a retention holster because a 9mm or 45 ACP is still obvious under my clothing. Uh, I get it, but uh, 
you know, I can, I manage to conceal pretty much whatever I want to conceal with pretty much whatever it is I'm wearing. Uh, I have concealed a gun called a Staccato XL, which is a little bit like trying to conceal a tire iron, and I managed to conceal that one. Uh, best thing I've heard on open carry, if you're in a store and a bad guy comes in and sees somebody with open carry on the hip, that's the first person the bad guy is going to take out. That's true. That's true. That's the other thing. If you're open carrying, you really got to be aware. You have really got to be aware of what's going on around you. Or at least I would want to be. You know, I, I don't sit around and go, well, I'm open carrying, so everything's going to be okay. Everything's hunky-dory. I don't do that. All of the tactical people I know who are some of the most highly trained gunfighters out there, that there's no amount of money that I would take to face them, even some of the ones that are in their 70s, they carry concealed. Because they're looking for every percentage point of edge that they can find. And if you're perceived not to be a gun carrier, then you have a little bit of a... But open carry is the law. It is a First Amendment statement. So, you know, it all comes down to what you are willing to do and how far you're willing to go with it. Uh, I myself, I would be so distracted if I was open carrying, I, I wouldn't be able to go anywhere and enjoy myself. I And as it is, you know, when I'm concealed, when I'm carrying concealed, which is every time you see me, uh, I'm not very, I'm not very conscious of uh, too much going on. Although I'm completely aware of everybody around me. So, anyway, we'll pick this up and we'll do it again in about 22 hours. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD, the Voice of the Carolinas. <laughs> 